the work in the ministry is being done through this place. And I thank you for the provision for every one of those areas. That there is no lack. There is not even a thought of how we are going to accomplish anything financially. Father, I just thank you that your word is spoken through our pastors, and we are able to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. How we doing this morning? Good to see you guys. Excited to be continuing God on Film. Did you enjoy the, uh, the old man band this morning? You guys enjoy that? For whatever reason, Pastor Kevin warned me that it'd be the old man band this morning, so I'd be prepared for it. Um, I realize that I am missing something as a pastor here, as I don't have any musical giftings. And so I'm going to start taking some, uh, uh, some keys or something, do the triangle or piccolo or something, the cowbell. I could do the cowbell. Everybody needs a little bit more of that. So it's good to see Pastor Greg on the drums. You guys look great, sounded great. So fun. It's fun. Well, I get to uh, be a part of God on Film this year. I'm always honored to do so. Uh, and I pick the lamest movie in the lineup by far. I'll just tell you that if you are, if you pre-gamed and like watched this movie last night or the week before uh, to get a jump start and maybe try to figure it out, sometimes people do that. Uh, I apologize if you hated it. So many people came up to me uh, before and they're like, bro, I don't know what you're going to do with that movie. It is so boring. <laughs> Because you see the all-star cast with Jack Black and Steve Martin, and, and, then, and then you get uh, Owen Wilson, and you're like, it's got to be hilarious. And then you're watching it, and you're like, this is really not funny at all. Uh, how can a movie be that good anyways when it's about three dudes chasing birds? Uh, it's about birding, so that's what they're doing the whole movie. They're going around looking at birds. So it's like a seemingly uninterested topic. It's not cool like The Breakfast Club. You know, it's not in the top ten greatest movies of all time like that. Uh, it's not the Sandlot. It's not as exciting as I'm sure for you guys going to be next week. But I was a video store kid. From uh, I worked at the video store. Uh, one of the last ones in existence here in town was Crossroads Videos. I probably knew some of you back then when I was a kid. I worked there from eighth grade to senior year. And so I just got paid to watch movies all day. It was a great job. I loved it. That's why I worked there for five years throughout school. So I just sat there. And this is probably the only reason I ever watched this film is because I ran out of movies and I was like, oh, I'll put it in. And so I watched this, and it just spoke to me then, and it speaks to me now. Uh, and so I'm going to give you, I'm going to read an intro. We're going to play that first clip, uh, and then we're going to get into it. And so it's three men find their way, uh, find that they have come to a turning point in their life. Stu, who's played by Steve Martin, faces a late-life crisis. And Kenny, who's played by Owen Wilson, is in the grip of a midlife crisis. And Brad, who's played by Jack Black, is wallowing in a no-life crisis. And so determined to kickstart their stagnant and boring lives, Stu, Kenny, and Brad decide to enter a prestigious contest. During the course of one calendar year, the three friendly rivals crisscross North America in a quest to count more species of bird than anybody else. In this first clip, we're going to get introduced to those characters. Mark, go ahead and play that. 
American programmer would be content to lose just a few pounds. But the task is difficult. He has a demanding job, a brutal schedule, precious little willpower, and an all-consuming secret life. Yo, big bad rat. Mm. What you got that Um.
repeat some of them? All right, if you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29, what I see in this movie, and, and, and this is a movie that I've been trying to do for a couple years now when I've done God on film and I just hadn't figured it out, so I just went all in on it. But what I see in this movie is, is I see three men who are running from their purpose, three people from different backgrounds, from different places in life. Uh, you have the loser, Jack Black, never done anything uh, and has no funds, doesn't have the ability to do it financially uh, and hasn't done it thus far. And then you have Stu, who spent his whole life in corporate America, just sucked into the system day after day, doing something that he hates and something that he uh, dreads doing, looking for the day he retires so he can actually do what he feels designed to do. And then you have Owen Wilson, played, uh, that's Bostic. And Bostic thinks his purpose is being the best birder and, and being the greatest and holding his record. And, and he's driven by competition and achievement and all these things when in all actuality, his purpose is standing right in front of him in that clip. It's in his marriage. It's in his wife. It's in investing in a family. And so I see that aspect uh, uh, in this movie and those three people running from their purpose. And I know why God had me pick a boring movie, so to speak, because one of the biggest problems within the church, and, and it's something that we don't hear talked about is, often is, is that the church is bored. <laughs> the church is bored. We, we, we gather in here and, and we, we get fed and we have one of the best ministers and, and, and teaching gifts in the body of Christ, I'm convinced. And we gathered in here and we get fed and, and then we just wait around and for next week and then we do the same thing again and we're just discontent. And we're just as distracted and into entertainment as the world because we're bored. And I'm going to say what Pastor Greg says. If you're bored, it's because you're boring. And the issue is, is the reason that we're bored and the reason that we're being lazy and the reason that we're, we're distracted and, 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 and are just sitting around complaining about the world and the way that life operates is, is that we have no vision. That's what I want to talk to you about today. We have no vision. Uh, what I love about this movie is, is it's three characters that have a hobby that, that not very many people are going to be interested in. If Pastor Kevin called me up uh, on the weekend and said, hey, you want to come look at some birds with me? I'd be like, no. <laughs> no. Unless it's like a bald eagle ripping apart a deer or something like incredible like that. Like I'm not interested and they're passionate and their purpose is found in something that, that not many people are interested in. It's just this perfect picture of the church. Weird, we're caught up, we should be fixated and focused and our vision should be on Jesus and we should be okay with what makes us different but yet we're looking at the wrong things, we're caught up in the wrong things, we're complaining about the world, we're complaining about why it's this way and we don't have vision and so we're sitting around bored Listen, believers, people that are one with Jesus should never be bored because there's always an ongoing assignment and mission for your life. And if you're sitting in this place and you're bored regularly, I can tell you there's a problem with what you're beholding. You do not have vision. And today is not to condemn you. Today is to uplift you and to help you focus in and make you realize that God designed you for a purpose just as much as he designed any pastor or minister. Like you were designed by God to do something significant as well. And I don't have to get a prophet to come up here and to prophesy some special word over you that's specific and unique. I can tell you, based on the word of God, that God designed you 
You may feel that you're insignificant. You may feel that, you're, that, that, that you don't have gifts and, and, and you're not as talented as so-and-so, but God has designed you intentionally on purpose to do something significant in this earth. So the movie title's Big Year, and they go on a big year, and they just look at birds the whole movie. That's <laughs> what they do. But God's designed you to have a big life. God's designed you to, 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 to make insignificant moments, but they're, it may be seemingly insignificant to you in this season, but they can be so powerful and, spe- <clears throat> excuse me, and special. So turning your Bible to Proverbs 29, verse number 18. Proverbs 29, verse number 18, it says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. That word restraint means to loosen or to let go of. And so what that tells me is, is that when we don't have vision for our life, we get lazy and we stop caring and we just start coasting. And we just start, you know, just, just floating on by, doing our time, bidding, and bidding in the system. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you why this is important? Because we're dealing in, in, with this generation. It's like the weirdest generation ever. It's weird, the stuff we're dealing with. And I know sometimes being in, in, in small towns and out in the, you know, lesser communities that aren't major cities, sometimes you feel like those problems are distant. Can I tell you, like, we have kids in our youth group that struggle with transgenderism. I know you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have people in our youth group that identify as things that they were not born as. Why am I telling you this? Because it's important that, that we understand our purpose and, and we gain vision for our own life because the church, the, 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 the mature saints in the house, we, the, the, the youth need an example to imitate. And can I tell you something? Nobody wants to imitate boring and insignificance, and just coasting by. Jesse came up to me and said, man, the youth pastor was getting on to us this morning. Look, I'm just helping. I, I love you. I share Pastor Greg's heart for you. You wonder why they get caught up in these weird, crazy agendas and associations. Well, at least they're passionate about what they believe. And sometimes we portray this attitude of, oh, I got to go to church today. I got to get there. That's what we do. There's no joy in it. But I'm telling you, it's because you don't see the big picture behind it. You don't see the vision behind it. Can I also reveal to you something else? Would you turn in your Bible to uh, um, Proverbs chapter 12? Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 24. It says this. So as a result of no vision, we become lazy. And then it says this in verse 24, Proverbs 12. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful, while the lazy will be put into forced labor or slavery. And so when we don't have vision for our life, it causes us to be lazy. And then when we get lazy, what happens is, is we're just not even, we're not even cautious towards the attacks and the advances of the enemy. And then we find ourselves in bondage to things that we should not be in bondage to because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so we find ourselves locked in depression and we find ourselves locked in systems and we find ourselves locked in this meaningless existence 
And once again, the problem comes down to not the fact that the world's bad, not the fact that things are out of hand. The problem is, is that we don't see clearly. You with me? What we were designed by God to do. We don't see clearly. Can I, Mark, will you put that picture up? This is Joanne. And so Joanne is now a part of my family. Uh, um, I'll try not to get emotional with this story. My mom, I love my mama. My mama's boy, okay, I love my mama. And, uh, but one of the things that always frustrates, I'm glad she's not here. I hope she doesn't watch this playback. Don't tell her I was preaching. But uh, one thing that frustrates us about my mom is that she always felt like her purpose, like she treated me like that was her purpose in life. You know what I mean? Moms have a tendency to do that. Like you're, and I understand raising your children and all that. That is a huge purpose. But I always felt like she found her entirety of her existence wrapped around that. It's like, Mom, I'm grown now. Like, I, you did great. I appreciate you. But there is more for your life. Like, you are not just designed to raise me and then be done and sit on the sideline. Like, there's more for you. And so one day she calls me. I had just gotten to, uh, up here to the church. It was like a Monday or a Tuesday. She called me. And her brother, my uncle, lives on the streets. He's one of the people that live on the streets by choice. He just will not, not get off the streets. We try to help him, all that stuff. He'd just rather live there, less responsibilities. I don't get it. But anyway, she called me and she said, hey, I'm going to go down uh, to see him. It's going to be really cold tonight. I want to make sure he has clothes and he has things that take care of him. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, where's he at? And she's like, well, he's staying at this homeless tent camp. Um, and so I'm going to have to go there. And I'm like, you are not. You are not going to some homeless tent camp by yourself, mother. Like, I know. I'm sorry. You're not going to do that. Like, just, he's fine. He's, he, and you kind of get that attitude sometimes, you know? Like, he chose this for himself. Like, he won't accept the help anyways. And you can have that attitude. She's like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to take care of it. I said, okay. Well, I'm coming too. And I'm coming strapped because I got to make sure that I can take care of you down there. Uh, uh, because I'm not letting anything happen to my mom. And so I'm trying to play like this, don't do it uh, uh, attitude. And then I go with her. I, I didn't actually come strapped. I felt secure in the Lord. So I felt like I could handle anything that came at me. But, you know, show up, making sure these homeless people know, like, hey, if they want to throw hands, if they're going to mess with my mama, like, we're going to scrap. Like, this is mama. All right, I'm not a pastor out here. I'm mama's son right now. I'm going to take care of mama. And so I'm there. And I was just humbled by the experience, honestly. Um, it's on the backside of a fence behind a QT in a field that I didn't even know existed. There's several tents, several different people living there. But Joanne was one of the women there. And uh, she was someone that my mom was taking care of. And uh, basically her relationship with my uncle fell out. He was being him. And, and, and she felt led to take Joanne and help her get off the streets and help her get her social security card because she had all these benefits that she wasn't getting and, and helped her get in an apartment uh, housing. And so she's not on the streets anymore. And she was most recently, it was her birthday. And this is the moment that just melted me. Most recently it was her birthday and we're at my mom's and she called me. Uh, sorry. She called me and we got her some I don't even remember what it was. She liked like, like RC Cola or something, one of those old-timer drinks, you know what I'm saying? Sorry, don't be offended if you have that in your fridge right now. I, I, I grew up on some RC Cola, but uh, my dad was pretty old school. So anyways, we got her some of that, and I was just amazed as I watched my mom sit here 
and have a birthday cake for this woman and threw a party for this woman and bought her all kinds of just little clothes and stuff like that. And it just melted my heart to watch this woman just feel so loved and appreciated, felt like she belonged, felt like she had community, felt like she had a life, felt like people loved her. And I just watched her and my mom just share this moment and just tears of, of complete, you know, she's like, I love you, Anna, and just crying. And, and, and so I, I, I tell you that because in that moment, like, I realized, like, I'm like, Mom, like, this is what you were designed by God to do. Like, it didn't end with me. And there's just a million excuses that we can all make when we watch that clip. You can take that pic down, Mark. Thank you. When we, when we watch that clip, what do we see? We see that, 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 that Jack Black, he, he can use money. Brad can use money and say, I don't, I don't have enough money to do what I feel called to do. And then Stu, he, he keeps procrastinating and saying, maybe I'll just do it next year. Maybe this is a crazy idea. Maybe, and, he, and he's getting sucked into that corporate thing. And what happens is, is because you're not doing what you have been commissioned by God to do. You suffer in misery. And I see it just, just on so many people's faces because they're like, I just don't know what to do. And you're sucked into a system that does nothing to bring you life. And it's all because it's preventing you from, once again, doing what God has designed you to do. And so this morning, I want to look at a, a, a passage with you. Turn in your Bible to Matthew 28. You've read it. You've heard it. But I want to give you direction. I want to give you vision for your life. And I don't need a prophet to come up here and speak a specific word over you. I don't, I don't have to ask anybody for permission on if this is your calling or if this is your purpose or not. Because it's written in red. It's given by Jesus himself. And it's a calling that each and every person in this room possesses. And just maybe, just maybe the reason that you're struggling with depression and maybe the reason that you're struggling with anxiety and maybe the reason that you just feel like you don't matter is not because those things are true. Maybe it's because you're just not doing what you were designed to do. Matthew 28, look at verse number 18. I know you know it. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. This is Jesus talking to his disciples at the time, but speaking to us also in this present time. You know what you were designed by God to do? Serve and invest in other people. You are just as much a minister as anybody that ever steps in this pulpit. Would you turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 now? I'm using some basic scriptures today. Y'all are a really rowdy bunch. I tell, I'm not going to use this here because some of y'all get offended, but I tell the youth when, they're, when it's one of those nights when they're distracted or not engaged, I, I tell the youth, I said, I am not a retirement home pastor. I am a youth group pastor. I expect, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to say that to y'all, but it is very quiet in here. 
And if I close my eyes, I might be at Cimarron Point right now. I don't know. I'm just clowning you. I love you. Okay, after uh, uh, we read the iconic verse about becoming a new creation in 17, God gives us instruction on our purpose now that we're new creation. Not only did your old self and your old nature and those sinful things and, and the sin nature on the inside of you die, but also you died to the system of the world and you died to just being present, living the American dream, like all these ridiculous ideas that people have committed themselves to, you die to all those things. And so your purpose also becomes brand new. Like God gives you a new assignment along with a new identity. And so he goes on and he says in verse number 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then he has given us, not talking to pastors, not talking to just apostles, not just talking to people that, 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 that have pulpits and microphones. He's talking about us, the body of Christ, the church of the Jesus Christ, Lake Church, yeah. the people building place. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us. And then once again, he reiterates, and entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for him, God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so, so, so often we get excited when, when, when prophetic words and things are spoken over us. Listen, I got a word right here for you. And, and, and so many people are sitting around waiting on, on something, purpose, vision, something to just like fall in their lap. And God is not going to just give you a golden platter with your ultimate destiny on it. He wants you to be obedient to what he's already given you permission to do. You're waiting for opportunity. You're waiting for someone to tell you to go do something. Look, Jesus already did. He's already commissioned you to create disciples to call people to himself, to be his representative in the earth. And since we're not obedient to that, you never get to the next step. You never get the specific calling. You never, you never find a higher purpose because you haven't been obedient in the first one. What I know about this is, is I know if God has asked me to do something, I know that he's also given me the ability to do it. Because he would be unjust to tell me to do something that I cannot do. And so if he's called me to create disciples and he's called me to be a minister to people and he's, and he's entrusted us, only us, with this ministry of calling the world to come back to him, then I know that he's given me the means and the ability to get it done. And not only me, but you. And, I'm, and, and when I'm talking to young people, and I know it just carries over, maybe just when you get older, you stop caring or you, you just try to suppress it, but... but I, I'm talking to young people all the time that say, like, I just don't know what God wanted me to do with my life. And they want specifics. Like, am I called to be a doctor? Am I called to be this? I don't care about the specifics this morning. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about the basic things that you were designed by God to do. And you were designed to be a person that invests in other people. You were designed by God to be a person that can pour into other people. Regardless of your speaking ability, regardless of your teaching ability. When I first got saved, I was saved for like, Six months, and then the next school year rolled around, and I just wanted people to experience Jesus. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't want to be a pastor, anything like that. And so I started doing, I called it Bible study. 
and I had to meet me in the gym. And I had like 30, 40 kids show up the first time because I was getting high the year before, drinking beers at all the parties. And so it was kind of a wonder to see me leading the Bible study. And what I realized leading Bible study at that time is I didn't know how to study or teach the Bible. And so they would show up and I'd be in the book of Ephesians or Romans and I had read it myself and I had gotten things from it. And then when I would go to just teach it to him, I'd just read it and I was like, uh, and then I'd just like rephrase it, say it a different way because I didn't know what I was doing. And so what I did was I called it Bible study, but I was really just reading the Bible to these people. (laughs) But from that place of obedience, God just takes you on this journey. And since he can trust you with the small things, you just progress and you find yourself in the will of God by that simple yes in the beginning. And I can tell you, regard, because I hear it right now, I'm too old. That's what Stu thought in the movie. Too old. Don't have, en- don't have enough finances. I don't have enough time. Blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah. We have a million excuses. God can redeem the time. I don't care if you're 80. I don't care if you're 90. I don't care if you're 104 up in this place right now. God can redeem the time for your life, but you have to say yes to him. And what you realize when you begin to live on behalf of other people and you give yourself to the service of other people is, is it's just as much for you as it is for them. No amount of Netflix, no amount of entertainment is ever going to satisfy the God-given desire on the inside of you. You can't suppress it. You can't run from it. You can't numb your mind. Why, why is it important to have vision? Another reason it's important to have vision is because when you come against a trial, would you turn in your Bible to Jonah? I'm going to show you why you shouldn't run from the calling of God on your life. But when you come against a trial, it's important that you have vision present in your life because the only thing that doesn't change is God. He's the one that doesn't change. So look in Jonah. You know the story of Jonah if you've ever been to Sunday school. Um, a little bit more than just getting eaten by a whale. God brought me there, though, as I was reading this. And so wanted to take you here as well. When we look at Jonah chapter 1, sorry, trying to get there. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittah, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for for their evil has come up before me. But instead of going and doing what God asked him to do, it says that Jonah arose and fled. And you know how the story kind of progresses from there. But Jonah was given a word, just like you and I have been given the word and commissioned to do something with our lives. And the problem was uh, with Jonah is, is he had an excuse And you find it out later in chapter four, what it is, is is he hated the people that he was called to minister to. It doesn't give us an indication until the end, because as soon as the people repent, he called, he went and he preached repentance finally after the whale thing. That was pretty dramatic. I mean, if you get swallowed by a whale, like at that point, you'd be like, okay, I'll do it, God. Some of you are that stubborn. It would take a whale to swallow you. But he finally goes and does it, and he preaches for them to repent, and they do. And instead of him being happy, we find out that Jonah did not want them to repent because he hated those people, 
and he wanted God to call down fire on him. He said, God, this is why I didn't want to go in the first place, because I knew you were good. This is, this is the most childlike argument in the Bible. The conclusion of Jonah is like really sad and depressing. He said, God, I knew you were good, and I knew you'd grant them repentance. And they wronged me, and they hurt me. And they... That's a lot of people's attitude. A lot of the church doesn't even like people. <laughs> a lot of the church likes their pets more than they like people. <laughs> because you've been hurt, and so you have your excuses. I'm not going to open up because. I'm not going to do this because. You've been wrote off. You've been disqualified. People have hurt you, and so you become bitter towards people. Can I just tell you, like, that's your entire purpose? And the enemy wants to harden your heart towards people so that you never are fulfilled and that you are never effective for the kingdom of God. Like, the ministry of Jesus is also the ministry of you. You were designed and created by God to do the same thing. When we see Jesus in the Gospels, he was the perfect representation of who God desires you and I to be as well. And so, of course, the enemy wants to harden your heart towards people. But you attend a church that's called the People Building Place. That's the vision of the house. Why am I telling you this? Because if you don't get in tune with the vision, you're robbing yourself. You'll sit on your hands, you'll be sad, you'll be miserable, you'll be depressed, and you'll wonder why. It's because you are not doing what you were designed to do. The other thing is, is oftentimes we think not doing what God has called us to do just hurts us. But when you look in verses 4 through 6, what you also see is, is that you put at risk everyone around you when you are not in the place that you were designed by God to be. Because God has designed us all to be interdependent upon each other. And so it requires all of us manning the ship in order for it to operate properly. And because Jonah, let's read this, verse 4. It says, but the Lord, so he gets on a boat, he runs away from his calling. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest, so that the sea ship threatened to break. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and was just sleeping. This is a lot of people. A lot of people are just sleeping. They're on the ship, but they're avoiding the vision. They're running from the thing that God has designed them to do. They're running from purpose. They're just caught up in, in working a nine to five, working more hours so that they can just suppress and not have to be uncomfortable and, and, and not have to be heartbroken and not be at risk for anything. And they're just sleeping on the ship. And all the while, the people around them are in chaos. All around them, the people around them are in distress and they're in need of what the man of God possessed the knowledge that he had. He's just asleep at the bottom of the boat. So they come and they wake him up and then you know this, they throw him over he gets eaten by a whale. So not only when you run away from the calling of God do you find your, uh, do you put people at risk around you but also you end up in isolation. You end up cut off from people. Otherwise, you need find yourself in a depressed state. You find yourself miserable. Listen, the church should be an example to the world. We should not have the same statistics as the world when it comes to depression. It should be the most joyful place ever. It should be the most energetic place ever. 
Like the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. That should have an effect on your body and the world around you. And there's just people, and it's the same cry I hear from the youth that, that, that I know many of you have is like, what was I designed by God to do? You were designed to invest in others. You were designed to pour into people. You were designed to create disciples. You were designed to be used just as Jesus was used on behalf of the people around you. And we all have excuses. We all have a reason why not to. We all have brokenness. We all have things. I know for a while, I just want to be kind of vulnerable with you. Uh, when I was going through divorce, you know, you have this, this just feeling, and some of you can relate to this directly, but you just have this feeling of being disqualified, broken. You're like, I, God, this isn't what I asked for. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what it was supposed to look like. And up to that point, like your whole vision and your whole plan was wrapped around somebody else. And then you go through the, that, that, that pain and your pain becomes so big that it often clouds your judgment and you no longer see correctly. You see through a, a, a broken lens and everything seems broken to you. And for me personally, like I struggled with depression. I struggled with just believing that God could still use me because up to this point, like it's never been as a single person. And you just question the calling. I questioned the call of God on my life. I questioned if I was even gonna be able to recover. I questioned because to be honest with you, I saw the effects of divorce on my parents. I saw what it did to them. I saw the effect that it had on them and it just oftentimes doesn't seem like people recover. And there were moments when I wanted to use that as an excuse not to do what God designed me to do. But can I tell you like what held me in there? As I would be struggling with my self-worth, as I'd be struggling with, with you know, disqualification, as I was struggling with condemnation, as I was struggling with, with all these feelings of inadequacy, inadequacy that, that, that was coming against me, is people, vision, what I was created to do. On the days in which I was, I was struggling with depression and just struggling to, to exist, what God would do is he would show up and he would show me faces of people that I was designed to impact and to make a difference in. He would show up and he would, he would show me highlights and pics and reels of, of what he had designed me to do. And so although I felt the pain and although I felt broken and although I felt disconnected and although I felt all of this and I wanted to run away and I wanted to start over and I just wanted to hide like Jonah did from my calling and my purpose. Although I felt all these things, God's vision just burned on the inside of me and I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't help but think about if I quit, what does that mean for these people? What does that mean for this person? Why is vision important? Because when you're going through an obstacle, when you're going through a trial, when you're, when you're going through something, you've got to understand that your purpose isn't tied up in a person. It doesn't change just because people change. God's the consistent one. God's the consistent one. Get rid of your excuses. There's no amount of brokenness 
There's no person, there's no reason. Oftentimes, we don't do what we're designed by God to do because we're opposed from the people closest to us. In the clip, you see, uh, uh, you see Jack Black talking to his dad, uh, and, and you see him talking to him, and, and, and he's opposition. You gotta do something with your life, and he screams out, this is what I'm gonna do with my life. Oftentimes, the people closest to you don't understand. But you shouldn't be surprised when unbelievers do not understand you because you are not in this world. You're not a part of this system. It shouldn't be as a surprise to us when, when, when people, even though they might love us well, do not understand what we were created and designed by God to do. They don't understand why we don't live the life they do and don't do the things they do and why we abstain from things that they love and endear. You are made different. You've been born out of the world. You're a part of a new kingdom. You should be different. You should look different. And your differences are what make you impactful. And we're so turned off. And, and oftentimes we, 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 we never step into it because the people closest to us are opposing us. Look at, look at this scripture. I want to help some people in here. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 12. I played this. this. This was me when my mom called and said, I'm going to that homeless camp. I said, no, you're not. My, my stepdad was not present to go with her. I'm like, you ain't going down there without someone protecting you. I didn't really want to go, but I wasn't letting her go alone. But if I was the one hindering her from discovering what she was designed by God to do. Matthew 12, verse 46, look at this. It says, while he was still speaking to the people, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak with him. And Jesus replies in the most savage way here. He replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and he said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother uh, and sister and mother. And so what happens is, is when you get born again, another thing that changes is, is God changes your family dynamic. And what I mean by that is, is oftentimes culture prioritizes physical bloodline when Jesus redefined what family was in the kingdom. He redefined it as people who do the will of God. It doesn't disc, I know some of you wouldn't like this. But he redefines it as people who do the will of God with you. And so what that means is, is that means that although your mama, my mama loves me. Although your siblings may love you, although your family loves you, you can't get into a place of idolatry where you put their voice over what God has called you to do. You listen too closely, and, and it's easy to do when they love you and you love them, but you listen too closely to people that love you dearly, but they are not, they are not God. And they don't know, they, they don't always know what's best for you. They don't always know your design. And so they speak things out of love for you, but they could be holding you back. And you listen to those words and you never fulfill. But I'm telling you, when you pursue the calling of God on your life, God brings people around you that are in, far better, incredible. I have physical brothers that I love very much. And one day they will be spiritual brothers. They're going to get born again sometime. Praise God. If you've got any heathens in your life, say amen that you love. Amen. <laughs> Right side, left side's got a perfect little church family. But, but the people that, that, that are my closest to me and, and aid and endeavor in, in what I was designed by God to do, they're, they're people that are doing the will of God alongside me. 
the people that are running this race with me that lift me up spiritually. And so in the movie, they're, they're, they're chasing after these birds and they're committing themselves and they're okay with being weird. They're okay with having a different hobby. They're okay with, uh, you know, being birders. <laughs> so lame. <laughs> they're okay with that. It's time for the church to be comfortable with being different. It's time for the church to be okay with, 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 with being set apart. In this hour, you're either gonna be set apart or you're gonna be just like them. There's a division happening. And without vision in this season, you will not go forward. You will not accomplish. You will not do what, 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 uh, anything significant that is going to cause you to be fulfilled in your life. Once again, it's so easy when, when we talk about these things to feel condemnation. But you've got to understand condemnation is not from God. Oftentimes when somebody ministers... You feel bad because you're not where they're preaching. They're preaching to get you to where they're pre- to get you to where they're at. And the enemy would come in and condemn you and make you feel. So what am I saying? I'm saying that you have a design by God, and you can do what God has commissioned you to do. And if you don't know what that is in this moment, I do. It's creating disciples. It's pouring your life into people. And as you are obedient to that step, as you are obedient to that vision and purpose, God will bring more and more and more. And the boredom that you're experiencing will be no more because you will be in that sweet spot where you're like, this is what I was made by God to do. And regardless of what obstacle comes your way, you have something that anchors you in the middle of it. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, because this is what I believe. I believe that there are just so many people in this room that feel unfulfilled, that feel like, like they're, they're, there's nothing for them. Listen, there is. That's a lie from the devil. That is a lie from the enemy. You were designed for a purpose. You were designed to be significant, and it's not too late. You're more than just a businessman. You're more than just a stay-at-home mom. You're more than just Uh, a blue-collar worker. You're more than your degree. You're more than your divorce. You're more than that relationship. You're more than all those things. You are a minister of the gospel. And until you plug in and identify with that and and allow God to, 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 to confirm that within you, you will not be satisfied. And so, Father, I just thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you for every believer in this place, God. Father, I just ask right now that you would help us to take off the limitations, that you would help us uh, to see ourselves as you designed us to be, Father. Lord, we thank you that not only did you uh, call us out of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of light, but you also gave us purpose. You gave us a ministry. You gave us a role in the family business, and that is discipling and making uh, disciples all over the earth, God. And so I just thank you. I thank you for every person in here. I just thank you that they would be open to the idea of ministering and and discipling people and being a representation of you, for that is what they were designed to do. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, at the close of service, we're going to close now, but we have ministers that are going to come up and they will minister to you. If you need salvation, if you need to rededicate, if you need baptism of the Holy Spirit, anything that you need, please do not leave without being ministered to. Uh, We love you. You're dismissed. We'll see you back Wednesday night for Bible study.